give up now, weak and tiny pirate mans, or die like stinking dogs. Hmm. We see you have boom boom sticks. Bye bye. Minute where there's no time for fantasy martial arts because we're watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 8, which begins with one of Auntie's guards getting to show off in front of his co-workers, and it ends with Max following the collector. And today we've got someone awesome following us. It's none other than Tom Taylor from the Indiana Jones Minute Podcast. Hello! Hi guys. Hey Tom. Welcome well, back. I always Thank you feel very like much. someone's watching me and... <laughs> Feel good that it's you. It's me, Rockwell. <laughs> we start off this minute with one of Auntie's guards stepping forward at the summons of Iron Bar. At the end of last minute, Iron Bar did this little snap maneuver and stepped aside. And in the first little bit, we see a guard step forward and he's got the feather headdress and all of this other stuff. And nice little detail behind the scenes thing. Iron Bar was originally the one who was going to be doing this fancy display, swinging stuff around and being all impressive looking. Oh. And then I think it was uh, either George Miller or one of the other production staff saw this particular stuntman spinning knives on the end of little chains. I call them nunchucks, but they're literally just little knives on chains. And when they saw him spinning these things around, they're like, oh, let's have him do it instead of the rock star that we're paying to act. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's not open him up to the possibility of <laughs> slashing his face open. Yeah, of being opened up. Yeah. Max turns to the look at the guard and he sees him. He's doing this spinning maneuver. It's all very impressive. Mm -hmm. Everyone around the area is so concerned at what's going to happen because this guy is so martially proficient. And then Max does a move. I think we call this the Indiana Jones. <laughs> he reaches into his cloak, produces his double-barreled shotgun, and shoots the guard's headdress, which explodes in a just poof of feathers. Yeah, and then everyone in Cairo goes nuts. Look at what he did. He dropped that guy right in the middle of Cairo. Oh, wait, no, it's a different movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think, are we supposed to think for like a split second, like they make a, you, you, you see the guy, like the, the headdress explode with a big bang, and then you cut back to Max for a second reacting to that, which is, you know, just steely gaze. And then they cut back to the guy and they it's like feathers falling down as they pad up to his to his head. Are we supposed to think for a second that he that Max blew his head off? <laughs> like just shot him in the head? And then like that reveal is like, oh no, it just is, he's got feathers all over him. He just blew up his headdress. I like that idea. That we're led to think that he actually killed a man when <laughs> yeah. he didn't. I feel like the first time I saw this in the theater that like I that I, I had that reaction for like a split second. Like, oh my gosh, he shot. Oh no, okay, he's all right. <laughs> he just embarrassed the heck out of him. Yeah, I, I do feel like that's what they were going for. Either way, it works. I also definitely think this was a direct Indiana Jones reference because Raiders came out only four years mm -hmm. before Thunderdome. Yeah, it's weird. It's uh, that's such a well-known and well-loved gag 
in Raiders. That's a it's it's a little weird to do such a straight copy of it here because there's not even like that much of a twist on it. I'm not even like criticizing it really. It's it's fine. It kind of goes by and it's not like offensive or anything. But I, I wonder <laughs> if it's uh it, it does strike me as a little bit weird to just so so straightly copy such a famous thing and not really do anything put their own spin on it or something i was thinking about it and i think they did more or less put a little bit of a spin on it because if the guard had come out and just spun his stuff around looked all big and intimidating and then max shot him dead Mm -hmm. so that he fell down and everyone cheered i feel like that would be a little bit more but yeah blowing up the headdress and then (laughs) showing the guard pulling out a mouthful of feathers (laughs) yeah you know what i take it back you're right. It really fits into the goofy and comedic aspects of Thunderdome. Yeah. We haven't really said it so far up to this point, but where Mad Max 1979 was a cop drama, mm-hmm. Road Warrior was a straight up action movie, Thunderdome can be construed as kind of an action comedy with how many gags they tried to throw into it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's like, uh, <laughs> as you were describing that, it sounds a lot like the traje- trajectory of the Raiders movies. Like Raiders is, I mean, <laughs> we always talk about Raiders being like, that's a serious one. Where it's like, it's like, a, it's like a fun, cool, enjoyable ex- adventure story. But compared to a lot of other movies, it seems like it's kind of treated seriously or something. Mm. And then Temple of Doom is kind of heavier and grittier and crazier and then the third one last crusade is again like this one is a little i guess light i think lighter works better talking about last crusade i don't know if well i don't know beyond thunderdome is a little lighter in some ways yeah yeah it is actually i take it yeah okay i'm gonna i'm gonna lean into that it is lighter they're both lighter and yeah as you say they 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 toss in more just bits of humor and um i wonder if it's just the natural maturing of the filmmakers you know like oh i've got kids now i'll put kids in the movie mm. or oh i've you know I've, I've i'm i'm not the young brash i see flames when i close my eyes kind of filmmaker <laughs> you know i'm 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 uh i'm mellowed a little bit and there's other things to do in movies besides uh blow everything up like what if max tries to do some good and save some people some kids sort of thing i don't know too bad indiana jones couldn't follow mad max oh my gosh to the fourth movie Oh boy, wouldn't that be something? What if? Oh wow, what if the fourth Indiana Jones movie was the best thing any of us had ever seen? Wow, that's a shame because it could have been. <sighs> now I'm sad. Yeah, I just got sad. <laughs> All yep. the ingredients were there to yeah have it be the best movie ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh well. Every movie in the series has a different feel to it. Idea reminds me of Marvel's Thor. Oh sure. And how you have Thor, the first one is more or less a, an action movie. It's very small scale. The second one, they try to ramp up the drama. Yeah. You know, they did that whole thing where Christopher Eccleston was an elf and trying to kidnap Padme because she's got red goo inside of her and then <laughs> Thor gets his hand cut off, but it doesn't really get cut off. It's all dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and is they, darker than the first. And then they it came back with Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which... So that means that if they do another Thor movie, Uh-oh. it'll either be the best movie ever or one of the worst. <laughs> mm, right. Now I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> Is it worth the risk? Probably. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. Well, I guess that all depends on how Avengers Infinity War shakes out, because as we're recording this, Avengers Infinity War has not come out yet. Right. Right. It could be great. It could be awful. I don't know the details of when any of this stuff is coming out because I didn't think to look it up before recording. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think it's something <laughs> weird like April. 
<laughs> As for the props in this scene, the shotgun that Max pulls out is not the same shotgun that we saw in the prior two movies. Oh. Yep. The shotgun that we saw in the previous two movies was a sawed-off VG Bentley style shotgun. This one specifically is different because it has exposed hammers on the top by where the barrels break open, and it looks more similar to a Rossi Overland 12 gauge. I was going to say Rossi Overland 12 gauge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for confirming that for me. Do you think in universe it's meant to be the same gun? Hmm. I'm sure there's a comic book that explains what happened to the previous one and how he got this new one. Oh, no, wait, that's my franchise. Never mind. <laughs> that's Indiana Jones. That's Star Wars. Yeah. Man. There is ripe fruit here for yet another interim comic or story between Road Warrior and Thunderdome. So I'm trying to think. At the end of Road Warrior, Wes has Max's shotgun on the front of the rig when the Humongous smashes into him. And it's a small detail, but at the end of that movie, you can see that Wes's hand is sticking out from underneath the cowcatcher on mm. the truck, and he still has Max's shotgun. So oh. all Max had to do was walk over to that hand, retrieve the shotgun. All fine. He ends the second movie with his iconic gun. So I imagine that as he's out wandering the wasteland, he either picked up a bad piece of ammunition that critically damaged his weapon, mm. or maybe he ran afoul of someone who confiscated his shotgun, broke it, and then he had to find another one. They're really... Could be anything. It was probably damaged in the crash. Mm. I mean, just because it was sticking out from under the cowcatcher doesn't mean it wasn't involved in the crash and got damaged then. Guns are very precise instruments. If there's anything wrong, then the gun's not going to work. And it could be catastrophic injury to the handler, or it could just not work at all. Mm. Yeah. And actually, I'll bet Max probably never shot that shotgun again because he probably couldn't trust it after it was in the crash. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Because if the barrel or the hammer or any of those internal pieces were damaged, it could hurt or kill himself. Mm. Yeah. Even if he retrieved it, he probably never shot it again. So I'm going to say this is not the same gun, but that he sought out a very similar gun, a sawed-off shotgun, because he likes that style. That makes sense. Max is a very nostalgic person. Yeah. I mean, Vertigo did a whole comic book about Max going to the ends of the earth just to rebuild his interceptor. Right. <laughs> so I think that's a much more practical notion of what happened to his old sawed-off VG Bentley. I, as you were talking about it, I thought it might be a fun little story of Max wandering around the outback and then like a kangaroo steals his shotgun and he has to chase <laughs> this kangaroo. <laughs> and by the time he catches up to it, the kangaroo has like bashed it on a rock or something. No. And so he runs into another wastelander who happens to have a bunch of weapons. Mm -hmm. And then him and the wastelander have to help each other out against a bunch of raiders. And at the end of the story, the other wastelander is dead. So Max is able to get a new shotgun from his collection of weapons. There you go. Works for me. Are you... Coming up with this right off the top of my head and pulling <laughs> it right out of my butt? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, because there's a movie. I have no idea what it's called, but it's something about a kangaroo stealing a bunch of money, okay. like a bunch of cash. I was not trying to make it sound like Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> kangaroo Jack. <laughs> that was not my intention. That was not what I was leaning towards. And now I'm a little... <laughs> I'm a little upset that I suggested that. <laughs> 
Well, you're the editor. Yep. <laughs> you call attention to it, and if I edit it out, it's like a huge chunk. I can't get rid of all that content. Nope. Killing me. <laughs> Especially if we keep making reference back to it throughout yeah. the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. Can't edit it out. Nope. We're making this hard. So this guard, he just had his glorious mohawk blown apart by Max. No. Poor guy. I don't understand how he got feathers in his mouth, though. Because the top of the headdress was blown apart by a shotgun shell. Mm -hmm. We pan down on this guy's face and he's blowing feathers out of his mouth. The physics don't line up. How well, couldn't they have been cascading down and he breathed in and surprised or something and sucked one in or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think know. we're going to have to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably the only thing that makes sense out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and a shotgun is not a very precise weapon. It's kind of amazing that he only shot his headdress off. Yeah. I mean, they're at fairly close range. I guess so. It's one of those things where it probably wouldn't have too much time for any shot pellets to spread out. Yeah. But even so, I'd be worried for the people standing in the back. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he was aiming for his face and he just missed. <laughs> I'm worried for everybody there because not only the shotgun going off, but also the flailing of the knives in such close quarters. Yeah. It just all seems very foolish. Yeah. We're still more or less in a first generation Wastelander thing. So some of these guys might have been Boy Scouts. <laughs> and as you'll learn, when you're dealing with bladed things, you have to establish a safety circle. Right. How big is your safety circle? I think what you do, and this is going back to my Boy Scout days, is you hold the knife by the blade and you hold it out at arm's length and you turn in a 360 degree circle. And if you hit anyone, you're too close. <laughs> Tom, does that sound right? That does sound reasonable and logical. Because I think you were a scout leader at one point, right? Yes, but I wasn't a very good one. I lost seven <laughs> scouts. No, that's not true. That's terrible. <laughs> we had a very strict knife rules in my patrol. Oh, sure. If you got all four corners of your totem chip, which a totem chip for Boy Scouts is basically a little card that says you can be trusted with a blade. And if you demonstrate on four separate instances that you cannot be trusted with a blade, mm -hmm. then you lose your ability to carry a blade. Yeah. And did you lose your ability to carry a blade? No, I'm responsible. See? Okay. Just checking. Oh, Julia. <laughs> disappointed in you that you would think that of me. I don't know. I've seen how you drive. So I wonder. <laughs> One person that may not be trustworthy is definitely Ironbar, who steps back in front of this guard once again, because if you've lost your feathered headdress, what use are you Yeah, as one of Auntie's guards? And so Ironbar takes control of the situation and starts approaching Max. Mm -hmm. Max answers this action by letting go of the collector and pulling out a handgun from underneath his cloak because it's just got a lot of room under there. <laughs> the gun here, eagle-eyed viewers might recognize as a C96 Mauser, also known as a broom handle. Huh. It's very similar to the one owned by Bubba Zanetti back in Mad Max 1979. Oh, wow. Yeah. The major difference is that Max doesn't have the stock slash storage box that Bubba Zanetti had. So it's not quite the same, but uh, it's still pretty close. It's a nice little callback. Spiritually close. Yeah. Having a gun pointed into one of the rolls on his chin, the collector <laughs> holds up his hand to halt Iron Bar's progression and Iron Bar stands his ground, but he keeps his eye on Max. 
Mm -hmm. Max leans in, reiterates the fact that he only needs one hour inside, and the Collector is dubious of this idea. He doesn't think that Max is going to be able to A, find this person, and B, convince him to give up what was stolen. (laughs) Right. He uses the phrase, oh, and sure, he'll be desperate to clear his conscience, and Max says, he will be. That's a pretty great line from the from the collector. Yeah. He's he's, he's got a gun in his face and he's still just being a real smart ass. <laughs> is Max planning on asking pretty please? Is he going to use the magic word and that's how he's going to get his stuff back? Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll shoot somebody's headdress off again. <laughs> he's going to go through a lot of headdresses. There's going to be some very cold chickens yeah. if they need to replace all of those feathers. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> With Max's statement that he is that good, that he's able to convince people to give things back, the collector gets an idea. He says, oh, you might have something to trade after all. And Max is interested. He says, 24 hours of your life and you'll get back what was stolen. And I love this next part where Max says, sounds like a bargain. And the collector, without skipping a beat, says, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. He's not even afraid of like turning Max off of the deal or anything. He's like, Mm -hmm. nah, it's going to blow, but come on. You can handle it. You got skills. So I'm realizing now, we talked a bit last week about the idea that Sally Ann, which is the macaque monkey, throwing the whistle out of the back of Max's wagon changes everything about this story. It's one of those pivotal scenes. But I also feel that the collector basically telling Max to follow him and leading him to Auntie, as we're going to see, is, I don't want to say a bigger influence on the story, but I imagine that if the Collector had just let Max inside, Max would have tracked down Jedediah, probably by reputation more than sight, because Max really didn't get a good look at Jedediah. Mm -hmm. But he probably would have shaken down Dr. Dealgood and got the information. And then we would have got probably a hilarious fight between Bruce Spence and Mel Gibson in the Thunderdome. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, I think no matter what, Max is going to end up in the Thunderdome. Yeah, it's right there in the title. Mm -hmm. I think it gets dangerous when you start trying to define pivotal moments that would change the movie forever because those important moments, that's what makes a movie. Mm -hmm. That's why these days of Max's life are the ones that get made into a movie rather than any of the others, because they're more interesting. Yeah. Because several important things had to happen to line up for this exact story to take place. Mm. Yeah. So it's hard to pick out what the pivotal moment is. Otherwise, I mean, we all have non-pivotal moments constantly every day, and our life just moves forward the same, just constant. And yeah, it doesn't get interesting until something important happens. Yeah. That being said, I'm really glad that the collector takes Max to see Auntie because the story of Max going to Bartertown, beating up on Bruce Spence (laughs) and getting all of his stuff back and leaving, that doesn't really have any lasting effect on the world writ large. Mm -hmm. Like Max and his actions in this movie more or less lead to the resettlement of a major city on the continent. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I do suspect that even if Max had ended up in Thunderdome with... Jedediah instead of Blaster, he still would have caught the eye of Auntie. Mm. That's true. And still would have been brought up to her penthouse and things started rolling. Oh, what if, and I know that is the, (laughs) that is the salt on the wound for many of our listeners every time I use the phrase, what if. (laughs) 
But I'd like to think that exact scenario probably would have played out where Max goes into Thunderdome, wastes Jedediah, leaving Jedediah Jr. a lonely little orphan <gasps> in the middle of the desert oh, with an airplane no. and no parents. Yeah, that's pretty dark. But then having killed one person in the Thunderdome already, there would be some sort of dumb bureaucratic thing where Max would be unable to get his wagon and his camels back. And then Auntie would have been able to lord that over him and be like, hey, listen, you've already spilled blood in the Thunderdome once. Mm. I'll get you all your stuff back if you kill for me again. And it would have just prolonged the movie. Yeah. I, I'm willing to bet they probably could have gotten about an extra 15 minutes of story throwing Jedediah in there in the middle. It might have caused a pacing issue, though. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to see Jedediah get killed. Right. Because <laughs> after all... He has a little boy <laughs> sure. who went home. He flew the plane straight home and he's waiting for his dad to get back. And oh, no, you know, Aww. oh, that is so Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so sad. The collector says the deal is 24 hours of your life. In return, you'll get back what was stolen. What do you think Max thinks is the deal? Mm. What do you think Max supposes the collector has in mind? He's uh, not too dumb, Max. And I think that he knows that the collector just saw what he did. And he himself said, I've got skills. I can trade those. So even if he doesn't know, like, oh, these guys want me to kill somebody or something like that, he'll, there's going to be feats of daring do or, you know, some kind of roughhousing is going to be... Uh, required. He knows at least that much, I think. Julia, what do you think? I would assume that he suspects that somebody in the guard needs to be removed, mm. assassinated. This town is full of nonviolent people. These are hunters and traders and farmers? Probably not farmers. Like foragers? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're not fighters, but the Imperial Guard are fighters. So if there's somebody in the Imperial Guard that you want to get rid of without going through the captain, maybe the captain himself, mm. you need somebody outside to do it. Mm. And in a place full of non-fighting people, someone like that might be hard to come by. Yeah. In fact, why did Auntie... You know what? We'll get into this when we <laughs> get to Auntie's penthouse. <laughs> Never mind that part. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to skip ahead too far, right? No. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I suppose that Max just thinks that someone needs to be intimidated into complying with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Max, at this point, his hair is long. He's got a very dangerous air about him. We already know he's good at grabbing and pulling people. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps that's just what he thinks this is. He mm -hmm. just needs to scare somebody and that'll be it and it's one of those things where it'll take a little bit of time and that's where the whole 24 hours gimmick comes up but he probably thinks it's going to be pretty easy do you think he's at all concerned about like wait the guy doesn't even know you know i said i had some camels and a truck and uh you know but this is a big place like does this guy even have the clout to get my stuff back like how does he know where it is or who has it mm. like do you think he's at all, you know, wary of like, eh, okay, I'll do what they want me to do, but is this going to be a bum deal? Am I going to actually get my stuff back? Like, is this, can this guy deliver? I feel like the knowing where it is part is going to be the difficult bit mm -hmm. because I don't think the collector is the one that processes people that come in with vehicles. 
Hmm. Like, can you imagine trying to get the camels oh, in the truck through that tunnel? <laughs> yeah. There has to be another entrance for larger items. Yeah. Because you're right. The camels didn't go through there. That's funny. Like, oh, like you've so got, he's not the only one making decisions. You've got Frank the collector, and he's the one that processes all the small goods, the pelts and the furs and all of that stuff. And then you've probably got Jim the collector, yeah. who's in a different part of the wall, maybe something a bit more vehicle-sized. Mm-hmm. And he's the one telling people, you know, come on in with your wagon, come on in with your cart, telling them where to go and who to talk to. And meanwhile, you've got a separate operation over on a different part of the wall. And yeah, they have electricity, but they don't have telephones. No. They don't have fax machines or any ways to efficiently pass information. I don't see anybody writing anything down, making bills of lading, anything like that. There's no records of any of this stuff. How are they going to find anything? I'm worried now. You know, that's a good point. When the fur trader spit in his hand and the collector did the same and they shook on it. Yeah. There was no... Receipt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go to the brothel and be, or, or the green hut and say, hey, I want my stuff. No, the guy, the guy, the, the, the collector guy. He said I could... Guys, can I? Oh, never mind. I mean, what is keeping him from going up to the brothel and being like, yes, the collector said I could have three hours yeah. with a woman. And they're going to be like, well, let us check that. And then they're going to have to send a runner. Right. Very inefficient. Yeah. Okay. I'll bet I know the answer to this. I think the collector isn't the one who gives the receipts. I'll bet there is another person just past the collector who hands the trader the appropriate token of some sort. Mm -hmm. And it's probably that guy that you say to, okay, I want the grain that he offered me, or I want the two hours that he offered me. So that trader is then given some sort of token that says, okay, one sack of grain, two hours with a woman. So it could be like kind of like Chuck E. Cheese. You walk in <laughs> and they give you a tub of tokens. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yes. Except instead of a cartoon mouse, it's a picture of auntie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And since there's a decent chance that many of these people can't read, especially if, well, no, we did think that these are first generation post-apocalyptic people, so they probably can read, but they probably haven't read in quite some time. Anyways, I'll bet the tokens are symbolic. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't the token giver need to like have something from the collector? Like he's not sitting right there. I'm all caught up in this. He would need something from the collector. <laughs> Otherwise, you got the same problem again, that the, that the trader is going over... Oh, yeah, the collector over there said I could have uh, 10 hours with a woman or something. You know, like there's no... Yeah. Well, either he's within hearing distance and mm -hmm. he is specifically paying attention to what the collector says. Yeah. And then uses that information to confer with the trader. Yeah. Or there's a runner. Oh, or maybe the collector spit the receipt into his hand and then traded it to the... Passed it to the trader when they, when they, when they clasped maybe. hands. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just being gross. It was actually, a, you know, a, a, a transaction. You know, we keep going back to this whole spit thing. And last Friday, we mentioned this whole idea that Bartertown must have a reliable source of water. If everyone is constantly spitting, they need some way to have that much moisture in their mouth. Because yeah. we are in the middle of a desert here. Mm -hmm. Break out the still suits. I feel bad for the trader who shows up to Bartertown and he's been out in the desert for a couple of days, hasn't had a ton of water and he's trying to spit in his hand yeah. to make a deal and just nothing's coming out. Yeah. Hey, we had a deal. What's going on? Spit in your hand, will you? That must be so embarrassing. Yeah. And an insult to the collector. Like yeah. people are in in line behind him saying, come on, pick up the <laughs> pace, buddy. call he's yourself like, a businessman. You can't even spit in your hand. What's the matter with you? I can't get the spit, guys. Give me a second. I'm having performance anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where you just can't spit in front of other people. Yeah. He's got to imagine he's alone or something like that. Just like Matt Hooper and Jaws. Ain't got no spit. <laughs> 
I wonder this whole currency that may or may not exist if we waited just another four years, we could have Auntie handing out Uncle Bucks. <laughs> like the 1989 comedy Uncle Buck. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Big pictures of John Candy. Yeah. He's kind of round to begin with. He makes perfect coin shape. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look that one up on IMDb to make sure I got that joke right. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. You did it beautifully. <laughs> So the collector takes Max and I guess leaves the collection table empty. Yeah. Because all of the guards, Iron Bar included, go with the collector and Max. There's there must so many be questions about this. Yeah. There must be someone who has to take, like a part timer that comes in and replaces it. Maybe, yeah. The sub collector. Because, yeah, otherwise, yeah. you know, we, we, they were annoyed before when Max was just asking questions and not bartering. And now that, you know, the collector's gone, they must be furious, that whole line of people. It makes me wonder, is there one collector that you want to deal with more so than other? Like, you oh. show up to trade, you see Frank there, and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to wait until Sammy comes on. because yeah. he's a pushover. Say, <laughs> <laughs> listen, these rocks, they're special rocks. I'm going to trade, yeah. you know, at a higher rate. Sammy will give you a deal, whereas Frank will just send you back out into the wasteland. <laughs> I feel bad for Sammy the Collector. He's just not as respected as Frank. No. <laughs> it's total second tier. That does support the idea that there's a whole system mm -hmm. going on in here. That it's not just one guy decreeing things. That there's many people involved. Or else the gate just closed when he walked away. Oh, wow. That'd Sorry, like... gate's closed for the day. Come like, back tomorrow. It's like when you show up to the bank at like... 4.45 and you're like, oh, I got plenty of time. And then by the time you reach the teller, it's like 4.59 and they just uh, drop that window. Yep. And you're like, it's not even five yet. And they're like, nope, sorry. We got to bring Mel Gibson over to talk to the boss. And you're like, Wait, Mel Gibson's here? <laughs> wow. This is worth the wait. I'm impressed. The last thing we see this minute, Max is being led through the hallway. He's got guards all around him and they're walking by a little window carved into the wall with a man standing inside and we don't get to hear this minute what that window is used for so we're just gonna have to be content with the fact that they get up to the window and they are stopped max has to wait for something and we're gonna find out next time why they've stopped and there's a fun little shtick that goes along with it but before we go, there is one background detail that I want to call attention to. You can see it. Someone in the back is holding a big old banner. And on that banner, it says, Auntie says pigs equal power. <laughs> wow. And it's a nice little foreshadowing. That's nice. Yeah. Rather nice. major detail about Barter Town. Yeah. Always got to keep your eyes peeled in the background. Tons of interesting stuff to see. Oh, totally. But in the meantime, we're going to put a pin in this and we'll see what's happening in minute nine the next time around. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Mad Max Franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our Patreon by clicking the support link, or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link. Thank you for joining us for Minute 8 of Beyond Thunderdome. We'll see you next time. Over!